You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey, coaches, and welcome to episode 58 of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. I'm your host, Chrissy Beltran, and today I am going to welcome a guest of Erin Cotman to the podcast. Today, Erin is going to help us think about how to collect teacher input to guide your coaching. So if you've been unsure about how you can support teachers or what teachers actually want from you as an instructional coach, this episode is for you. So many times we are doubtful of our direction and we're unsure where we're, where we're headed and we're not getting good response from teachers. And so it feels like we don't even really know if we're doing the work that we need to be doing. We might choose some things that we think are important, but is that really supportive of teachers and where they are right now? So when we use teacher feedback, we can focus on what will be meaningful and purposeful for teachers. And it's also a really great way to get in the door whenever people have not been opening their doors to you. So I'm going to introduce you to my guest, Erin Cotman, who's here today to help us think about this really valuable coaching tool. So welcome to the podcast, Erin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here with you. I'm really happy to have you here too, because I, I'm, ex I'm excited to hear your perspective on this, this idea. Um, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and maybe share a little bit about who you are, how you ended up doing what you're doing and what kind of work you focus on? Yeah. So my name is Erin Cotman. I am um, an ed consultant and coach. Um, I'm also currently an assistant principal which I've had the um, pleasure and joy of serving in that role for several years now in Atlanta. I'm actually at a charter, uh, middle school charter, fifth through eighth grade. Um, I am an ELA teacher at heart. I taught fifth grade and seventh grade ELA. So if you want to talk about books and all things English and literacy, that's me. Um, but what I do now is I work with schools and leaders. Um, to maximize their reach and impact. So that could be um, maybe aspiring leaders, so teachers who are um, looking to move into leadership, whether that's admin or coaching, um, and help and, and figure out kind of like what does it mean to be a strong coach and like equip leaders with um, the both adaptive and technical skills that are really important for leading schools. Um, so I work with primarily like new leaders, I'd say leaders who are in their like second and third year who are just really trying to like get in the groove mm -hmm. of leadership. Um, and then also I work with schools to just deliver um, PD, overall PD for their schools as well. That is so important. Um, that work is so important because so many coaches and administrators find their themselves in the position where I was in, where you become a coach and people are like, well, you were really good in the classroom. So you'll probably be really good at this. And then they throw you in and they're like, good luck. Let us know what you need. And you're like, I don't know what I need. I don't you even know what no I'm doing. Clue. No. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's a different set of skills. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. People think that skill set will transfer. And although that it is, of course, great to have been a strong classroom teacher and you can bring that with you to your work. It's not the same exact work. So exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So what does your coaching work look like when you're coaching teachers and what roles do you actually serve whenever you're working with teachers and how do you meet your teacher's needs? Yeah. So, um, I definitely pride myself on taking a strength based coaching approach. Um, I believe that you can use strengths to leverage, um, 
and address any areas of opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think that teachers and leaders, we are like programmed to walk in and find the problem right. <laughs> in a classroom or in a, or in a school or space. And so when you kind of train your brain to first look for the strengths mm-hmm. as a way to leverage and address areas of opportunities, you um, have more um, impact with your coaching. People, um, the people that you're coaching are way more um, moving, mm-hmm. uh, moving along the process when you're saying to them like, hey, this is something you're really good at. We're just going to use this to help address this gap that we see. Mm-hmm. versus I see this gap right. and that can be very intimidating for someone. And they're like, I have no idea how I'm going to address that. When you make it very mm-hmm. clear for them, you already have this skill that you do fantastic. We're just going to help use that. So that's why I pride myself as using strength-based coaching. It's like, that's what my coaching works look, work looks like. Um, I think I also take approach of very much holding teachers' feet to the fire. I tell them often, like, I, we're going to walk across the coals, the hot coals together, but I'm going to do it with you, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be right right behind you walking behind those coals, uh, walking on those coals. And I truly believe in, like, in a collaborative coaching approach. Um, coaching is not a, like, one-way transaction. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the voices of whomever you're coaching, whether it's a teacher or another leader, should be present in the conversation and should be present in the coaching process um, as to like either what we're going to tackle together, what, um, here's the approach I'm thinking, what do you think, what do, let's add a little bit of what you think, let's add a little bit of this and that, like it should be very collaborative Mm -hmm. for the buy-in of of whoever is being coached. Um, So I feel like I meet teachers' needs by making it very collaborative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they would absolutely be more receptive to that approach because they are not, when you walk in and you do identify those gaps, like you said, they might say, well, how, well, how am I even possibly going to address that? And they also might say, what you're telling me, you think that's a gap that I have and I don't agree with you. <laughs> so they'll shut it down happens. right away. Mm-hmm. It ha- that happens. Right. But I think everything is in how is in the delivery. Yes. So I always try and just be clear of like, and, and also, let's be clear, like, strength-based coaching is not just, like, that inauthentic, let me, oh, here's the glow, here's the glows I saw today. You right. know, like, that's not, <laughs> you know, yeah. people start to, enough, people start to read through that. Like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, you're just going to give me, give me four things you think looked great, and then you're going to dig into this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's also, like, really, truly, like, being authentic and really, like, ingraining that as, like, that's how your mindset and, like, your approach, mm-hmm. because otherwise, if it's inauthentic, it's going to, teachers and um, leaders would receive that. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting that you say that, because I know, you know, people always recommend the, um, that compliment sandwich or the feedback sandwich or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When yeah. I'm on the receiving end of that, I do not like it. It doesn't <laughs> I don't feel like good. It, no, it, doesn't it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. It feels inauthentic. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 When you have to plan, you know, when you're going to tell me the stuff I don't want to hear, I'm not real excited to hear it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I was looking, I've, you know, I've been following you on Instagram and I saw a post on your IG account about your leadership brand. And I, I'm in reading about it, you know, in, in the captions that you were writing. Um, I think it's similar to the idea that I've shared about like a coaching personality, but it's just, it's just you know, maybe from a different perspective um, back in episode 26 of this podcast. And I think that's so important for coaches to be purposeful and reflective about that. And it can be something that you don't think about at first um, until you have a little time in that, that role. And then you realize, Oh, I really need to define this. 
So yep. can, can you talk a little bit about what that looks like to go through that process? Yeah. I mean, well, I would say first, I wish it was something I had done early on. Like right. no one ever said to me like, you know, Aaron, what, what's your brand? Now, granted, I probably would have looked at them like, you know, uh-huh. what? You know? yeah. <laughs> but, but like, yeah. it makes sense, right? When you think of a particular company or like, you know, I'm in Atlanta, so there's Chick-fil-A. When I think of Chick-fil-A, I think of like really good customer service. Like mm-hmm. no one's ever forgetting my Chick-fil-A sauce. No one, you know, like if they mm-hmm. do, they're apologetic. And like, I know what I'm getting when I go, when I go there. Right. And so it's like the same idea of when your name is spoken and you're not in the room, what do people associate with you? Mm-hmm. What do people think? What do they know they're going to get? Right. And so, um, the process that I took and the process I take with, um, and really, I kind of have really been pushing to start this with people and that I coach that are in the kind of their first tier of leadership. So maybe like a department chair or a grade level chair to because it's it's really like a, a a adaptive thing to think about. And so I we normally start with like let's just identify what are your core values, mm-hmm. what do you care about as a leader, right? Because we we can't care about everything, right? Like right. you know, so like what do you care about? And so from there, that then should inform how you move, how you show up in spaces. So if, for example, if you care about um, relation, auto- let's say autonomy, right? Like that's some, a core value that's really important to you, right? Like being able to um, show up how you want to show up. You're not wanting every classroom to look cookie cutter. You're not trying to like box somebody in as to how they do things. You want like, you, if that's how you, if that's a core value for you, then when you're coaching, you're coaching teachers to find their autonomy. That mm-hmm. means when you're interacting with a student, you're not telling them, well, at this school, you know, we do this, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's really in every space that you show up, whether that's with a parent, whether that's with a child, whether that's with the janitor, like mm-hmm. the, they should be able to read what core value you believe in. So I gave the example in that post of, I got an award recently for like years of service. And um, one of the things that, that my um, principal said was, he literally said, Aaron, you're the glue. And it, that was one of the things that I pride myself in relationships with people. So that for me was like a very proud moment of like, okay, I'm like walking the walk and and, and truly showing up in spaces where it's like, they know what people know you get. Mm -hmm. The other thing about having your thinking about your leadership brand is like, even in those moments when there's strife or there is disagreement or, you know, because always warm and fuzzy right when people know who you are and what to expect you bounce back so much faster from those interactions or Mm -hmm. those moments where you have to either make an unpopular decision or whatever because people can lean on like i know who this person is and so at the end of the day it also builds trust um and it helps just keep you grounded i think when you're a leader and 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 a coach especially when you first make that transition from like peer to coach, especially yeah. when you're in school, it can be really hard because you're kind of like towing these multiple lines and yes. um, so deciding like who you want to be. I always tell people also find a coach you love. Think about the coach that you love, you know, that you just had like such a great experience from and like take a little bit of that from them mm-hmm. and think about another coach that you had and take a little bit of that. Right. From them. And like you kind of will create this natural a brand for yourself, but it just keeps you grounded. It's like a foundation mm-hmm. is kind of how, how I think of it. Yeah, I like that. Um, I've been reading, I just finished reading um, 
dare oh dear daring greatly by Brene Brown oh yeah, yeah and she talked about um, disconnect in organizations or even in families comes from whenever we, there's a big gap between or any gap really between our stated values and then like our demonstrated values the values yeah. we actually demonstrate and yeah. I was that was like that's it that is so. It, to me, it looks like hypocrisy. That's the way I would see it. But that, the way she described it was so academic and beautiful, you know? <laughs> so right, it was right, right. so true. I've seen that. You know, I've worked with people who are like, we got to do whatever it takes. We got to do whatever it takes, guys. You know, we have to do whatever, you know, we're here to support kids. And, but then they don't walk that walk. Right. And, you know, they're leaving at 3.30 and everybody's still at work trying to get things done. And they have due dates that they don't meet. And it's hard to have faith in an organization that yep. elevates someone like that. And as soon as you are in leadership position, mm -hmm. all eyes are on you. Yes, people so notice. You think, right, you think no one notices that you pulled out at three thirty, but everyone right. did. Everyone, <laughs> did. you know, everyone. everyone did. Yeah. So it's yeah. really about like um, this kind of idea of like leadership is everywhere. It's all around you. It's when you're grabbing your coffee. It's when you're on the way to the bathroom. It's when you're, you know, mm -hmm. stopping in the front office to pick up a piece of mail. It's literally. 24 seven that you mm -hmm. are in that leadership capacity. And so knowing your brand helps you stay grounded, mm -hmm. consistent yeah. and like really, truly demonstrating the things that you say you believe are important. Yep. And it helps mm -hmm. you weed out certain things because things will get thrown out at you. And, it's, and when you're unclear, like, Oh God, what do I do? Like, does this align with my value? Like, hold on for a second. Does this align with what I believe in as a leader? Yes or no? <laughs> you know, right. and then that allows you to know what, you know, what route you need to take. Yeah. How to respond. Route. Cause you're right. You get so much stuff is just dumped on you at all levels of, of leadership. Yeah. Um, and certainly when you're in the classroom too, you know? Oh yeah. And I, yeah, I think it's even worth like for sure as I think, I think I've actually done this, the value piece um, activity with teachers too. Like, cause I just think it's important that you understand like, and it's a part of resiliency. When you know why you're here, when you know why you do what you do every day, the stuff that is annoying that happens can't, it will upset you, but you bounce back faster. Right. You know, because you yeah. know the of, the of why you do this work and why you show up every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What your work values. Yeah. Yeah. That's bigger than all those things. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, <clears throat> so the big thing that we want to talk about today that we want people to walk away with is this idea of using feedback from teachers to help guide our coaching work. Can you talk about why that's so important? Yeah. So I think it fully connects to what I said earlier about my belief that coaching is collaborative. And so um, for me, coaching and development, it's, it's not a one-way transaction. So feedback should be both given and received. So, and it like, so one, that means both the coach and the teacher are swapping, you know, feedback uh, back and forth. I, the other thing is it shouldn't happen in a vacuum, right? So like, meaning it shouldn't be something that like at the end of each quarter, you're deciding to send a feedback survey. It needs to literally be normalized and consistent to, um, be giving and receiving feedback always. I think we have this idea that feedback is always critical. That's mm -hmm. not true. <laughs> feedback, you know, can be both, I don't just like to say negative either, but you know, positive and negative, right? Or affirming and adjusting, whatever, you know, whatever you choose to, to use. But it's imperative for the growth of the relationship, which is the growth of 
the teacher, which is the growth of the student, right, is the feedback piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a good leader always has a pulse on their school community. They always understand where people's brains are at, how they're feeling, what's happening around them. And then it, the feedback builds trust. If I know that I can say, hey, Chrissy, you know, um, I, you know, I actually really don't know if I agree with this initiative. And then you build trust with me by hearing me, listening to me, and there's no like, fall out from it that builds trust now i know that i can go to you and talk to you or give you feedback no matter what the hierarchy might be (laughs) you know in place or the power dynamics that are in place that builds trust and you build allies you know now when you come to my classroom and you know because we know all teachers all of us are very sensitive about our classrooms right you know when you come to my classroom and you give me feedback about you know uh, from an observation, I'm, I'm, I'm all ears because I trust you because I know that I've been able to also give you feedback and it's been accepted. And, you know, so it just, feedback is important because it builds trust. And like, we all know that no coaching relationship works without trust Mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that creates that, that coaching culture that, and the culture of learning as an ongoing process that everyone is going through instead of like, I'm here to help fix you. (laughs) and always remembering as a coach I don't care how long you've been doing this like you can learn like Mm -hmm. I have a coach my principal has a coach like like I just believe in all levels you should still be getting continually continuous around your craft Mm -hmm. so I I think it's really for me it just comes back to building trust and when I have the teachers that I have the best relationships with it's because we can have, we can give feedback on small things, large things. And like, we understand that it comes back to kids and it benefits both of us. And like, that's it. It's, mm-hmm. it's we, because we're so used to doing it. It's not, um, it's just normal to give feedback and receive feedback at this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how, I, I'm sure that takes a while to build Oh um, yeah, on campus, <laughs> and that you oh, have yeah. that people at all levels who, who believe that that's something you want to build. And intentionality, mm-hmm. because you have to remember that people bring to, like, I tell all the time, like, we work with humans, okay? So right. people bring all kinds of life experiences to your building. So while you might have zero problem giving someone some feedback for somebody, that could be very triggering having to give feedback or to receive feedback or, mm-hmm. like, it can, you know, they don't maybe feel as comfortable. So you also have to provide your staff with the tools mm-hmm. to give feedback and receive feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember the first couple of years I started doing this, we started with literally like the little baby, um, <laughs> you know, sentence structure, you know, yeah. like it was, it was, you know, effective when, <laughs> insert, yeah. you know, now try, but like some people needed that. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so it's like really about like, you have to equip your staff to be able to do this sort of thing. Yes. You can't just say, well, we're going to give feedback to one another. Okay. Give feedback. That's not like, you know, it's it's the same way you teach kids. You know, you're in a classroom, you've, I'm an ELA head. So of course, like when you first start like trying to teach them like peer feedback, you give them sentence stems. You like, you don't just say, give your teammates some feedback. You know, it's It's funny. It's kind of the same way. Yeah, and it's it's a good point that you make because the same thing that happens when you when you tell 
children to give each other feedback on writing, for example, you know, in like a writing conference. And they say, the, the first thing they'll say is, I liked it when, yes. that's all yes. they say. And adults will do the same thing if they do not have the scaffolding. <laughs> Because they're afraid and they don't want to, you know, we don't want to tick each other off. We don't want to hurt each other's feelings. That's not anybody's goal, but usually. So, (laughs) so yeah, we need to give them the scaffolding to have those conversations that can really get to the heart of what we're doing. Um, And that's, you know, we used to do like data uh, walks and we would do um, instructional rounds. We would visit each other's classrooms and we really had to think about Let's, what can we talk about here? How can we talk about it? How can we structure this conversation to where people are actively sharing? And then the person who was, who was, who was actually doing the teaching is walking away with something valuable and not just, yep. I mean, pats on the back are great, but that's, if that's the an end of your, you know, teaching conversation, then it didn't really go very far. Right. Exactly. 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 So what are some of the ways that you actually collect feedback from teachers that you use to guide your coaching work? Yeah. So, um, I obviously do get written feedback. So we do, I definitely try and do like written surveys, you know, that sort of thing. Cause I think it's about appealing to people's like preferences. So I often will give, you know, like allow a space for written feedback. Um, and that can be on small stuff like, Hey, like how about maybe a professional development session or, mm-hmm. or more in depth of like actual, like how's coaching going? What do you, you know, let's rate this. Let's give, give me feedback on that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of informal feedback. So like a lot of real quick, just like, Hey, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Um, sometimes specific. Um, I have found that that always is a great deposit, especially with your mm-hmm. veteran teachers is to ask them first, if you're going to roll out an initiative, get feedback from them first, or if you're going to, you know, maybe adjust something or, you know, I find that getting their initial feedback is helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also do semester like one-on-one meetings where um, there's some particular questions that I ask, but a lot of it is just like, tell me, tell me what's up. You know what I mean? Like, tell me how you're feeling. Tell me what's going on. Because what I have found is that sometimes people feel pigeonholed by feedback if it's too yeah. specific. So yeah. I think it's like, being and it's like yeah I gave you feedback but like it wasn't on what I really wanted to give you feedback on (laughs) you know so I think sometimes you want to like be sometimes narrow the focus of your feedback but sometimes you want to just kind of like do you have feedback in general you know that you would like to share so that people's voices feel heard um so I kind of do a mix of very some informal feedback and then also I ought to normalize it I also ask at the end of every coaching session like How'd that go? How'd that feel? Mm-hmm. What do you need from me? We good? You know, like I just ask kind of those basic things of like, how did this feel today? You know, mm-hmm. um, so that I can know in the moment pivots that I need to make because as a coach, there's nothing worse than like waiting till the end of a semester and getting a bunch of feedback and feeling like, wow, I had no idea that person felt that way, you know? Yes. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God. And you're uh-huh. just like replaying all of the meetings from the last, yeah. you know, 10 weeks that, you know, so I always try and even informally ask for, for you, you know, you, we end our meeting, like, how was that? Do you need anything from me? Uh-huh. What else do, what else can I do? And my favorite one is always anything I need to stop doing. Because <laughs> sometimes you people are, don't know even how to tell you like, I really don't like maybe, you know, the, the screen setup or that that doesn't work for me or whatever. It can be right. anything. 
Um, but giving them the space to also ask you to stop doing something is also um, powerful too. Yeah, that's so interesting because individual teachers are so very different in what their needs are and the way they, they like to learn. And so some teachers will literally say, you know what, next time, can you just in a, like tell me like in, like live coach me in the middle of a lesson and so a lot of teachers are not comfortable with that at all and it would you know throw them off if you just kind of started doing that but um and, you know in the middle of a lesson if you're like you know one thing you might think about you know, <laughs> you know? But right, right 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 like, tell me tell me right now I want to hear it because I don't want to keep going down this path if you have a thought on what I could be doing differently and yep. it's just so fascinating how different yes. people are Yep, that's why those feedback loop has to be consistent because mm -hmm. you're getting like by the time if you wait too long, by the time you get the information, like yeah, you can respond to it, but it's not as powerful if you can get that information and literally respond to it the next day. It's like data. It's uh, that's what it is. It's data. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's not. As, it's like when you look at interim data. It's like I mean, okay, thanks, but yeah, I really <laughs> looking at you know daily exit tickets or whatever so mm -hmm. that I can make informed decisions. So like the feedback loop has to be consistent and constant so that you can pivot when you need to. Yes. Yeah. Data is only relevant when it's recent, when it's current and fresh. So absolutely. Are there, are you thoughtful about, I'm sure you are, but like in what ways are you thoughtful about um, the way that you word questions on your surveys? Yeah. So that's so funny you asked that. I feel like that is such a, <laughs> Man, it's hard. What right. I have said, because I feel like I've gone through like so many like drafts of, because it's just mm -hmm. so interesting the way people respond to particular words you use and like, you know, those sorts of things. Um, I try to stay away from, my teachers hate it, but I feel like I get the most rich information. I try and stay away from like large scales, like, you know, mostly sometimes maybe. Oh, okay, like, I yeah. just feel like that's so like, I don't know. It depends on the person a lot, but, um, I am big on, you've got to give me some sort of like anecdote, <laughs> evidence, story, yeah. something. I just think it's easier to understand and make sense of it. And again, it might be the ELA teacher in me. So a lot of my survey questions are, are always include some sort of like, give me some additional information, you know, with this. Yeah, um, what does it look like when you know exactly can you, like give me a time whatever mm -hmm. um i also in my surveys push for like okay if you will what is it you like to see me do differently and then like what does that look like because mm -hmm. sometimes what i found is sometimes in this is where the collaboration comes in sometimes teachers know something doesn't feel like a good fit but they also don't necessarily sometimes know especially a new teacher don't know what that an alternative or like what mm -hmm they want it to look like. So sometimes pushing them to start thinking through that sets me up for the convert, the coaching conversation later. So then I can say, Hey, like I see you start to flush out some ideas or like thoughts that you had around this thing we've been working on, you know, um, let's pick up from there. So it kind of gives me like a starting, a launching pad for the mm -hmm. conversation. Um, and then also I am intentional about including soft skills in there of, of like, I always want teachers to walk away from a conversation and a coaching meeting with me feeling empowered. And so that's all like, and again, it goes back to my core values, right? Like relationships is important to me. So I'm always like asking around, like, do you feel supported? 
Mm-hmm. There's else I can be doing to support you, you know? Um, because for me, as if that relationship deteriorates, like, yes, we, I can still coach you, but like, I know that the track is not going to be as fast, you know, right. with that. So I always include questions that also align with my core values so that I know if I'm still on track, you know, and I'm, if I'm still grounded in those things with how I'm showing up for a person. Okay. That's great. Yeah. That's, I love that work. Um, Such an important focus. And I, I'm wondering about, I'm thinking back to years ago when I was working with, you know, I was a literacy coach. I had a math and science counterpart and we had gotten some survey results from teachers. And like you said, it was at the end of the semester, right? It was a semester long thing. And um, one of the grade levels, they were not attacking. They were just saying, you know, we, we have some concerns with this and this is, we need, feel like we need more support in this, this area. And my counterpart was like devastated. And you know, I, I said, well, let's, let's think about it. <laughs> like, you know, with the intention that they're sharing here, why is it um, that they're, that they are needing this support? What is it that we can do? All we can do is respond to it. Right. Um, but how do you deal with, with those feelings sometimes? Because sometimes, you know, our reactions are to be defensive or to justify or, you know, all of those, those really negative things that get in the way of, of having a positive relationship. So how do you handle that? Yeah. I mean, I always seek to understand because I feel like, um, you know, a, a survey can't capture everything, right. you know? So I always seek to understand. I've before found myself, you know, whether or not, even if feedback is something you truly believe in, like we're human, right? So you right. bust in your butt and you see something, you're like, oh, you know, <laughs> how could they think that, you know? Right. But seek to understand. Normally, if you go ask, you can get more information. And then you normally, it makes sense to you. Maybe, maybe, even if you don't agree, you might still be able to follow the train of thought. Mm-hmm. The other thing is really dig into the data. I know recently I had this exact same situation happen where um, my leadership team got a bunch of data back and there was a particular question that we felt we scored low on. Mm-hmm. And we were getting all like, you know, rah, rah. Yeah. and then I, but then I said for a second, I said, wait a minute, hold on. I said, open that up. I said, how many people is that actually? Because sometimes you, you know, it's like, and it was like two people, which is matters, right? But right. we were, our brain went to like, everyone thinks, right? <laughs> yeah. And when we dig deeper, it was like, actually, like three people think this. Right. Now you know who those three are. Now you can go have one-off conversations with those three and get mm-hmm. more information. Mm-hmm. So I always say that a survey in feedback is a starting point. Mm-hmm. You don't just look at the feedback or the survey and then walk away. Like, right. You know, like you've got to dig deeper because if you're anything like me, when I take a survey, it depends on my mood and it depends on yeah. how much energy I feel like giving you on my survey. <laughs> very, very true. Yes. So you got to, yeah. you know, like you got to, you really, but that's also why if you're doing regular feedback, mm-hmm. nothing on that survey should really surprise you. Right. Yes. Yeah, you know, we're like constantly asking for what improvements we could make to the process and what can we do, then hopefully we don't have anybody holding out three months to tell us something. <laughs> right. And sometimes you do, right? right? Because, you know, like it happens, right? You know, or whatever, it happens. But ideally, you mm-hmm. should not get a survey back and be like, what on earth Total happened? Mm-hmm. Right. You should be, if you're getting regular feedback, you 
it should get to the point where you probably even know who put that answer because you're having some yes. regular conversation. That's true. <laughs> that you're like, oh, I'm sure that was blah, blah, blah. You know? Because right. I, I know, I understand the, like, the context. Because we've had this conversation or yes. we keep talking about this or whatever yes. the case may be. So, I, you know, see, surveys are a form of feedback. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they are always the best form of feedback. Mm-hmm. I just believe that you should be having way more conversations with people mm-hmm. to truly have a picture to support your survey data. Yes. Yes. That makes complete sense. So how much of your direction comes from feedback that you receive from teachers and then how much is coming from other sources, like what your own observations are? Yeah. So that's always so interesting to me because I often find that like neither is right or wrong. So I would say a lot. So for example, um, recently I pivoted on some professional development topics that um, came up through observation, but also when surveying and talking to teachers, they wanted to prioritize some other professional development, right? And so it wasn't that one was right or wrong, right? But actually they were all needed, right? But what they felt in the moment they needed was something different than what I thought based upon my observations. And Mm -hmm. so I pivoted, you know, to, to handle their immediate needs. It wasn't something that, especially if it's not something that's like hot on fire, that's like, you know, we must do this right now. You pivot and you, and you respond to the feedback. Mm -hmm. I think the reality is like, you're not going to always be able to implement all feedback that you get right you know because when you start to deal with like you know administration and you know yes you just you know the stuff right yeah. <laughs> you can't always implement someone's feedback and sometimes like we're from where we sit we see one thing and we don't know all the things that are at play behind the scenes so yeah there's times where teachers come to me and give me feedback about something that i know i can't do anything about it you know (laughs) you know like it is what it is it's realistically yeah right so the opportunities that i do have a chance where i can pivot and implement their feedback i do like it's Mm -hmm. a win for me it's a win for them um and it shows that i'm willing to implement their feedback because eventually if you if people keep giving you feedback and you don't make any any adjustments or you're not transparent about why you can't make the adjustment people are going to stop giving you feedback right they're gonna be like oh okay here we go again just this is like performative just asking me for my feedback because you're not going to do anything about it Mm -hmm. so um when i can i definitely do but i've also found that um like the things that it's really just prior, it's prior, prioritizing, sure. you know, yeah. at the end of the day, because all of the things you pick up from an observation or, for, or from teacher feedback, like none of it's wrong. It's just a matter of like what, what, what needs to happen right now. And I think especially like in a virtual setting, like anything my teachers ask for that, that now is like Trump. So like, I don't care if I wanted to do, you know, blah, blah, blah today. If 10 of my teachers are telling me they need help with, you know, virtual engagement, well, then we're doing virtual engagement, (laughs) you know, like, so, you know, I think it's about figuring out um, what is most important and what's going to have the most like impact. Mm -hmm. Yes. And teacher buy-in is a huge part of of that because if teachers are actually interested in learning about engagement, then chances are they're going to roll out some of those strategies right away. Exactly. Exactly. And it directly aligns with children. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. It supports everybody. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. <the> end game. <laughs> yeah. So what does this kind of relationship actually look like where you're actively seeking teacher feedback and using it to guide your coaching? If you can kind of paint a picture of that. 
Yeah, I mean, so I think I spoke earlier about like it's collaborative, it's mm -hmm. flexible. That means like there's been plenty of times where I have, you know, planned out a coaching meeting, got into the meeting, we started having a conversation and within five minutes based upon their feedback, I'm like, okay, we're not going to do that today. We're going to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's, but, but like, and I think also some of that probably comes with like, once you really get into your coaching groove, being able to think on your feet like that I, and be responsible. And, and, yeah. But like, that's what it looks like to me when you can quickly implement a teacher's feedback um, and say, okay, well you, I thought today I wanted to do this, but you know what? sounds like you need this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so let's pivot together. Um, it may not be as well planned out, but we'll, you know, like I'm, I'll use my, my skills to make it happen. But um, so I think that it's like about being flexible mm -hmm. um, when you are met with maybe an alternative plan that you had than what you had. Mm -hmm. um, and it looks like it is student it still has teacher growth like at and 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 student growth at like that's that's the goal right so any any type of coaching meeting and relationships that i'm having it's like the foundation of that is for the teacher to get better for the student to get better like that's that's the goal so even if you do not like the feedback that i'm giving you i mean there's plenty of times where i've also had like all coaching relationships you know they're not all roses all the time so there's times right. where I've had to say, like, I understand that you don't agree, do, but do you trust me enough to try it? So let's try it together. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and maybe reluctant, reluctantly, right? So, but there's right. also like a, in, in a relationship where feedback is, is, is um, present, there's also a, like a, a strong risk culture, mm -hmm. right? Because again, that, that teacher knows in that moment or has built a relationship with you where they know they can give you feedback too. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so like, it's like, there's a trust there and there's a risk culture of kind of like the example you used about live coaching. So a lot of, like you said, that's actually one of my favorite things, but like some teachers, you know, a lot of teachers don't like it. Right. Like, but there's that piece of like, do you trust me? You know what I mean? You know, like, yes, we've worked, we've done this. You've given me feedback. I've implemented, try this for me. Mm -hmm. So there's a risk culture that's present in a, in a really a teacher um, coach relationship that is heavy with feedback as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so could you share, I don't know if you could talk about any of the wins or any like a success story that you've had using this approach. Yeah. I mean, I can say um, <laughs> one for sure would be um, I have a teacher who God, I've been coaching for a very long, like five years now, actually. So we have, so, you know, that's unique also. But when I first started coaching her, she came, she made the jump from kindergarten to eighth grade. Okay. So when I got her, she was teaching eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And so she's now at the point where she is moving into a leadership position. Mm -hmm. So she is very much in the throes of learning the adaptive skills. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, um, one of the things that we did out the gate was um, we did a survey. I created a survey and it was just kind of like a 360 survey around leadership skills. I know she can teach, she can teach her butt off. That's never my concern. She knows content, all of those sorts of things. But I wanted her to start to wrap her head around what do, how do other people perceive me? Mm -hmm. And how does that connect with being a leader? Yeah. And so the first form of feedback we got was obviously through surveys and we did a wide variety of like a wide net. So it's people she directly works with, some people okay. she only sometimes works with. Right. So like we could get a, a vast mm -hmm. um, variety of opinions. 
So we did that. Um, like I said earlier, I included on there a lot of, um, you know, written long form, you know, feedback as well. And then um, we use that feedback to develop what her coaching action steps were going to be. So, okay, out of that feedback maybe came that um, there was the perception that she was not flexible, right? So, mm -hmm. okay, so out of, let's dig deeper into that. Where does that come from? Why might that be presenting that way? Let's look at some examples. All right, now in our coaching meeting, and, and let's be very clear, that conversation was a lot of back and forth, of course, right? Like it's, a, right. it's hard to like start, it's especially when you're a new leader, right? So there was a lot of feedback shared back and forth where she would say, well, I don't understand why they said this. And I'd say, okay, well, let me give you an example. Yeah. <laughs> I, I might know, have an idea. Right, <laughs> and, and so back, you know, and so, and obviously again, a lot of trust already built there, but like we had to have a lot of feedback back and forth in that conversation, mm -hmm. but it was collaborative in that. I said, now you look at all this feedback, now and my brain is the coach. I have an idea of where I think we should go first when we're talking about leadership skills in her coaching. Mm -hmm. Let's, you know, so she's, she's thinking through and she's like, okay, well, I think this. I'm like, perfect. Now let's, let's actually now sit together and map out week one, week two, week three, wh where we're going to go with this and how we're going to address it. So it's collaborative in nature. Um, and after, you know, then it's easier to swallow, especially heavy feedback. Mm -hmm. when you feel like you've collaborated with someone you trust to address it. Yeah, you have a partner. Right. Mm -hmm. Versus me saying, hey, I, got, I, I did a survey for you. Go ahead and look at the data and then, you know, you yeah. let me know what you think or whatever. <laughs> you know, um, it helps. And I just think it is so powerful for her to get that much data from so many varieties of people to be able to say, all right, as I step into this journey, now I have a, a good piece of data to use mm -hmm. to coach my, to, to work with my coach on. Mm -hmm. And imagine if I had come to her and said, hey, I just wanted to tell you, you know, with no data at all. Hey, right. just from my observations or what I've heard, you know, seems like people think you're not very flexible. Right. <laughs> that conversation, she wouldn't have believed me. Mm -hmm. Whether or not we have trust or not, like she, you know, but it would have felt more like gossip. Exactly. But when she, and mind you, let's be very clear. She knew about the survey ahead of time. I told her, right. hey, I'm going yeah. to do this. Are you okay with it? Yes, good, perfect. Explain the reasoning, why, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, but so surveys and feedback from multiple sources help you get a larger picture. Like, I think that's something to remember in general. Anytime you're like, whether it's a school initiative, whether it's, you know, a teacher or coaching or whatever, anything that you're doing as a leader and a coach, I think it's important to get feedback from a wide net. You can't always get feedback from like your, you know, your yes people. You can't get feedback, you know, like from the naysayers, like you've got to cast a wide net. And so like, I think that's also like one piece of, like I always try to reflect when I'm meeting with my teachers of what I learned. And like, that was one thing I took away from that. It's like, always remember to cast a wide net, you know, because you just get multiple perspectives and um, tidbits, you know, that you don't get if you don't necessarily get feedback from a variety of people. That means if you're going to talk about, you know, include your cafeteria staff in certain things around feedback, you know, like yeah. everyone needs to know, like be in the loop around what feedback looks like in your school so that, so that you can cast a wide net mm -hmm. when necessary.
Yeah, that's interesting. And what an interesting um, strategy that you've used with this this new um, leadership person because that's so whenever you're moving from your classroom, the bubble of your classroom where you work with a handful of people all the time, you know, and then, but only for a short amount of time, and then you go back to your classroom and you do your thing. And then you go into the school system where you start to see every classroom and every classroom sees you. It is like night and day. It's yep. such a big adjustment. Yep. So that's so interesting. That's such an interesting um, approach to take in, in working with that. So you kind of talked about this a little bit before, um, but how do you balance teacher feedback with directives from administration? Gosh, transparency. It just, it's, it's yeah. hard, but just transparency because, um, you know, if you've ever been in an administrative role, there's just so much that you don't know as a teacher. And that's not like a negative way, you know, like, but it, it, you're just not privy to a lot of information. Right. <laughs> and so, um, sometimes the ideas or the suggestions or the feedback, while they're good, they aren't feasible for whatever reason, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, but what I found is that if you listen to someone's feedback, but you're not transparent in what happens with that feedback, mm -hmm. people start to feel like their feedback or voice doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So I always find it really important to try and circle back with people and explain, you know, like, hey, I got your feedback. Thank you for your feedback. Here's kind of the 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 the, the picture we're dealing yeah. with right now, you know? Um, or, you know, hey, thanks for feedback. Awesome. We're going to implement it. Thank you. You know what I mean? Like, right. So sometimes, you know, it's just really for me about the transparency of the process of feedback and like the process that feedback goes through once you give it to someone. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be my biggest thing is just that's how I balance it. Is I just try and be as transparent and communicate as much as possible so that people understand that like I, I heard you. I definitely heard you, right. you know. Um, it's either maybe not an option this year or, you know, it's a, it, you're actually spot on. It's something we've been discussing, mm -hmm. you know, as well. So um, be transparent. Yeah. Yeah. That's really important um, because you're right. There's sometimes where you, even you as a person can acknowledge, yeah, that would be much better than what we yep. actually have to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, and you might not be able to say that to that degree, but you can right, say, right. Right. it was a really good idea. I mean, at this point, this is the, the, what we're, the process we're expected to follow or whatever, the initiative we have to do. Um, but maybe we can think about that down the road and make some adjustments or whatever, you know, whatever you are yep. able to do. Exactly. <laughs> so if coaches only walk away with one idea from this whole episode, what should it be? It would definitely be for me to um, normalize feedback. Um, it needs to literally be something that you and the people that you coach do as, you know, easily as breathing, you know, it needs yeah. to be normalized. Um, and I would also say to explicitly say when you're seeking feedback in the beginning so that people can also get, understand that you're normalizing it. Like, Hey, I'd love some feedback right now. Like ask for feedback. You don't always have to like wait for someone to give it to you. And so as a coach, you have to be the model for that. Mm -hmm. So that means you have to seek it also. Um, and maybe in the beginning, seek it a lot, you know, just right. to build that um, consistency. <laughs> yeah. But normalize it so that you, for the betterment of your coaching relationships and for kids. Mm -hmm. Awesome. How can people find you online to learn more? Yeah. 
so um, on Instagram, you can find me at Erin Kotman, and that's um, Erin with two N's, E-R-I-N-N-C-O-T-T-M-A-N. And then same thing, my website is um, ErinKotman.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Erin. I think that the ideas we talked about today were so valuable, and it might give people um, a different approach and a different tool to use whenever they're really reflecting on their coaching and trying to build that culture of learning and coaching on their campus. So thank you so much for that. Thanks for having me. So next week, coaches, we are going to be talking to Amy Burkholder about what to do when you feel like giving up and going back into the classroom. Um, and I think that we have all felt like that, even if it's only for a short amount of time, everybody has gone through that, um, that phase at some point. So definitely join us next week for that episode. And until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.